Well, last week we heard part one of David and Pat's story. And geez, it was a fascinating story. Just to hear of the two different family upbringings and the way that God had brought them together. In David's words, it was a miracle of grace that he brought these two dearly loved children of his together from two different continents. Well, today we're going to hear more about how they've continued to make much of Jesus in retirement. But before we press into that, I wanted to give David and Pat the opportunity to speak about the passion that they have for Christian schools and how they want to encourage others to consider this ministry as well. We've got a number of listeners who work in Christian schools, certainly a number of parents who send their kids along to Christian schools as well. But Pat, I'm particularly thinking of the Christian teacher who's listening at the moment. Would you have some words of encouragement or something that you particularly maybe learnt from your time in a Christian school that you'd love to share with them? One of the things that I learned, um, I mentioned earlier that that I did timetabling, and I think that was a sort of catalyst for me to look at this and go, there is no way you can please everybody. Uh, no matter what you do, you cannot please the number of different people that, that are coming to you and they're asking things. And true, generally in teaching, uh, you have what the kids need, you have what the parents want to see happening. Uh, Possibly two parents have th- thinking differently in, in terms of, of what a kid needs. Um, you have what this, the what the English staff wants. Uh, you have um, what um, uh, what your boss wants to have happen in this situation, um, and then you have other pressures in your life, uh, your own family, your own church, your and all of these things. And and you get you feel like you're being torn from one to the other to balance out what 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 are the most important things to do it and who you should. Be please. We want to please everybody, but it's not possible. Um, I used to have up in my in my office um, a little poster that said, uh, "My boss is a Jewish carpenter," uh, and I think that that really helped me to keep perspective on things. That it, it isn't in the end. You don't have to please. There's no one person you have to please. But if you think about Jesus and you think about the things that He wants of out of you and and the balances that He brings to your life, that that's that's the only person you have to worry about pleasing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and it stems from a beautiful heart because we do want to. The Christian life is about being other person centered, but at the same time, it tips over to when we live for their approval, when we live to try to please them. That's where it becomes a dead end. David, you are constantly trying to encourage people to become teachers and particularly teachers in Christian schools. So how about I give this next little slot over to you uh, to uh, expand the reach. This is your unpaid commercial. Yeah, that's right. I had an ex-member of MBM contact us this week because he's decided to become an English teacher and uh, he's looking for a job as an English teacher and he's absolutely brilliant. So he contacted a school, uh, a principal of an Anglican school and uh, got an interesting response. First of all, the guy was surprised to find an English teacher who was a Christian. So the big problem we have in our Christian schools and ministries is to find Christian teachers. Uh, We need to have Christians come in and take on this ministry uh, desperately, and we just can't find them. So there's a big appeal out there. Just imagine the day. If you want to count the days and imagine how you could make your life useful, start the day with a bunch of kids in front of you where you get to open the Bible every single day with the support of your staff and your school board. In the position where you talk to parents, you talk to kids, you walk the playground and answer their questions. 
where you go on excursions with them, go to sport with them, you do life with them, you know, 30 hours a week, 40 weeks a year for the most significant formative part of a person's life. And you're there, present in their face, talking through all of their issues uh, all the time. Uh, that's, that's the ministry of being a teacher, uh, a Christian teacher. You, you've got some limitations if you do it in a state school. Uh, there are limitations in various church schools, uh, and Christian schools have their own little twerkinesses. But at the end of the day, if I wanted to pack as much gospel ministry into my days as I could, I can think of no better. Um, I know people who are missionaries who spend a year trying to find an opportunity to share a Bible story. Uh, And I look back and say, we're hiring people who are going to be doing that all day. So I want you to think about that, but then I'll balance it with this. Teaching is a cruel trade. Kids, you're facing an audience that is merciless. So you need to be the kind of person who can stand in front of these kids and they're going to say all the inappropriate things and hurt your feelings and you've got to be able to deal with that in a gracious, loving and godly manner. So think carefully. Spurgeon once said to men, if you can do anything else except be a pastor, do it because being a pastor is a pretty cruel trade. James said, if those of us who teach are going to be judged with greater judgment, because we're going to be responsible not only for our own lives, but for screwing up the lives of children, um, you know, look to your grindstone and go jump in a lake if you get that wrong. There's warnings there, but what a desperately important ministry. So do think about it. I've really appreciated the way that you've opened up the world of Christian schooling and helping us see just the power and the impact it can have when all the pieces are in place, so to speak, when the ethos, when the DNA, when the vision is there as a gospeling community. Yeah, so thank you very much for giving us that insight. You've both since retired. For for listeners who either are near that stage or maybe a number of years away from that stage, what were some of the things that were going in your um, in your mind as you were approaching retirement and the timing of that and planning for that? For me, it was a, a medical issue. Um, so I started to go deaf and wore hearing aids for a while in the classroom, but found that um, I was still not able to hear everything that was happening in the classroom. And I really didn't want to become one of those teachers that was missing out on what was actually happening in my classroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I decided it was time for me to move on. But in doing that, I spent some time thinking about what I wanted retirement to look like because people tell you, you know, you've never been so busy and everybody wants a corner of your life and you end up, um, you know, babysitting full time with all your grandchildren and, and, and what all these things kept people kept saying to you and you think, no, I actually want to sit down and think about what I want retirement to look like. Um, I'd read John Piper's book um, many years ago um, and was determined that retirement is not a time for uh, going and sitting on a beach and collecting shells, um, that that's not why God has given you this time, uh, that this is still time that the, uh, that we are involved in ministry and we need to think about what sorts of ministries we are going to move on to. So because I have a background in teaching Bible and, and I uh, love doing that, um, I decided that you know, I would like to pick up teaching Bible, doing a Bible study group. Um, and so being part of Connect is a, is a natural sort of thing. Um, there was a parent Bible study at school 
that was um, uh, the lady that was teaching that was about to, to not be able to do it again. And so she asked me if I'd take that over. Uh, so I, I do that one as well. And then I thought that I'd like to be involved in something like ESL um, because I, I, I can teach English. Um, uh, and so I thought that that would probably be a, a good good thing to add to my little quaver. So I um, I did some courses on, on teaching ESL and, and I've been teaching ESL now for four years. Um, and that's a place where you're, you're dealing with people that aren't normally part of church, who are coming into church because they want to, uh, to learn English, but then also to learn the gospel uh, as part of that. So that's sort of fitted into what happens at a Christian school too. So I thought that that was a, that was a good fit. Um, and of course, I did want to spend time with my grandchildren. Yes. Uh, and, and there's lots of opportunities to do that too. Yes. Wow. What, I love the way that you sought to be proactive in terms of retirement there, Pat, and just planning that out working out how can I still be useful for the Lord? And I assume the Piper book you're referring to is Don't Waste Your Life. Is that, yes, is that, that's is that right. where it has the illustration yep. of the seashells? and Yeah. Yep. yeah, Powerful book, that one. That's something that um, many people have, have, have read and been challenged by. You're, you're just giving us a window into some of the things there that you're doing in, in retirement, aren't you? There's, there's plenty of other things there. Yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah. But um, what's one of the things that you've particularly um, had the time to do in retirement is spend time in your garden. It's a wonderful thing. But you've also... In the process of spending more time in your garden, you got to meet some of your neighbours, uh, a new neighbour. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, f- for many years, living next door to us was this fantastic couple, uh, family, an extended family. Um, they, he, he was Samoan and she was Maori, um, and they had four kids, and one of them was married and lived in, in the back house with her husband and her little girl. Um, and that house constantly uh, rocked with laughter and smelled fantastic. They did the best barbecues in, in, in the neighborhood. Um, and, and we often talked over the fence and, and got on well. And I did think when, as I was re- nearing retirement that uh, this was going to be fun, that we were going to get to know each other better when I was home more often. Um, but just before we, I retired, um, they sold uh, their house and the person that bought it um, didn't intend to live in it. And he's divided the place into two different sections. Uh, and we have had some very colorful neighbors um, since then. But the lady who's living in the back section, uh, for all of her abrasiveness in, in many respects, um, she still, she loves her garden. And so we have a place, something to talk about. Um, she's made it very clear that I'm not allowed to talk about the Bible and not allowed to talk about God. She doesn't want to hear about it. Um, so she, when she asks me questions about things, I often will throw in, well, you know that my answer to that would have something to do with what you don't want me to talk about. <laughs> but that gives her the, the option to either pursue that further or to, to change the subject and move on to something else. I love how that's such a creative way. The ball's back in your court and I can really answer this question, but you've determined the terms of this uh, interaction, but still offering that chance. That's right. Yeah. Letting her have that control, <laughs> but, but suggesting there is another way. Uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, we've had some interesting conversations along the way. Um, along, she had an operation last year um, and she has three cats and a cockatoo. She knows her cats aren't welcome in my yard because uh, I have a beautiful garden 
and full of frogs and birds, and I really don't want cats prowling around in there seeing what they can find. But um, but I offered to look after her cats while she, for her while she was uh, while she was recuperating from hospital, um, and I went over and fed them and took care of the place um, for for that time. And I think that made a big uh, impression on her that even though she knows that I'm not particularly enamored with her cats, <laughs> um, that that I did look after them for her. And, yeah. Uh, and we've had a good relationship since then, and we talk often at the fence, often for an hour at a time. Wow, that's fantastic. So that's good. Uh, yeah. good. Good ways of, of just opening doors and having com- good conversations. Definitely, yes. And making the most of the opportunities that God has brought your way. As you said, it, it was a different person that God brought next door that you were anticipating, but still um, being open, open-hearted towards your neighbour. Just going back to retirement, um, you are a busy grandparent because you're babysitting uh, a couple times during the week, pick up one from an after-school class. You're teaching one to sew, another one to sing. Uh, you're listening to Amos uh, piano practices. You're making Comic-Con uh, costumes. Uh, and in amongst it all, uh, looking for opportunities to uh, point your wonderful grandchildren to the Lord Jesus. So um, you are a busy woman in retirement. Hmm. But I'm not doing it all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are 168 hours in the week. I guess you've got time to do some of those things. But one of the things that's very, that's very clear, and you picked it up before when you were talking about ESL, is that you've had this desire to keep on learning. You don't want to remain stagnant, but you've, you've enrolled yourself into some counselling course, not to become a counsellor, but what was, what was going on behind that, that desire? Because these are some courses which is run by a fantastic organisation, CCEF. Um, can you tell us a little bit about them and how you discovered um, these courses? Yeah, okay. So Christian Counseling Education Foundation uh, is based in Philadelphia and is uh, uh, connected with Westminster Seminary. Uh, and they have done a lot of thinking about um, uh, biblical counseling and about reorienting people's um, lives so that they actually are um, working in the, in the context of a relationship with Christ on a day-to-day basis. And, and that all sounds very sort of normal, and that's what we want to do as a Christian. Um, but I was very impressed when we were at school by some of the little pamphlets that they had put out, and I'd use them in uh, various situations with kids and with teachers. Um, when I looked to retire, I thought, this is my opportunity to get to know a little bit better just what they're on about and, and what they're doing. Um, so I thought with, I'm, I'm always curious about things and I like to explore things and, and to learn more. So I decided that I'd uh, see what the courses look like. And uh, they're very open to people taking their courses that, that don't actually want to be counsellors, um, but just want to learn some wisdom about how to talk to people and how to deal with people. Um, and they, I found their courses to be very helpful, and I've learned uh, learned lots of things in in terms of just tweaking things that I already knew, and just little bit things, just a little bit different that make a big difference to to the way that just things like uh, when you walk into church on Sunday morning, do you treat this as your family? Um, if you walked into a family gathering, a family reunion, you'd be saying, hi, how are you? And giving people, well, you're allowed to give cuddles today, but you understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, but making that contact with people and, and their, your eyes light up and you remember what you talked about last week and you want to carry conversations on further and, and you want to see how you've been praying for somebody, you want to see how that situation turned out. And, and so 
if we are consistent, even in doing something as small as that, it makes a huge difference to the life of the church and to the way that people progress as believers, including us. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. so that's why I did it, and I'm and I'm finding it very helpful, very encouraging uh, to to keep on learning stuff about how to deal with people, how to talk to people. Yeah, that's right. And you often you're right there. It's often those little one percenters that actually can make a difference and you know whether it's that word there that encouragement there or just viewing that relationship through that particular perspective ends up being such a blessing so yeah that's great we might put a link to that website which has a whole range of courses which I presume you're doing uh, remotely. You're not yes. going back over to Philadelphia. Yeah, no, it's all online. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And, and they also have podcasts and they have books and they have pamphlets and they have things you can read. Uh, there's lots of stuff on there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth looking in. They've got some fantastic resources. I just started listening to one of their podcasts as well. So, yeah. David, give us a, uh, an insight into how retirement has looked for you. And um, were you as planned like Pat? Because Pat retired first. You continued to teach at the school. So Yeah, I lasted another year. Um, <laughs> you miss going to school each day with your wife. Look, I, my philosophy of retirement was, why on God's green earth would I stop what I'm doing? God would have to put a, you know, a roadblock in the way to say, time's up. I could have continued to teach Bible, Till I was too old to walk up the stairs. But the roadblock, you sort of, you got to exercise a little bit of humility in all of this. It's what I love to do, but is it the best for the school? And we all know teachers who taught past their use by date. I wanted to go out well, but we came to a point at the school where we were going to have to transition. I mean, God is so good. This is three years ago. The boss decided, and the people who know, decided that we were going to move away from paper and pen and we were going to move everything into digital. So it was going to be bring your own device to school, do your work on your laptop or your iPad or whatever. But that meant that over the next five years, the school was going to transition. And I looked at that at the age of 66 and thought, I am not the man to lead that transition. Not when I've got a young bloke on the staff here who has just come back from being uh, dean of a Bible college in Vanuatu. Uh, he's got his master's degrees in divinity. He's an absolute genius of a science teacher. The kids love him, and he's, at, he's all the gifts and winsomeness you could want. Why don't I hand him the baton and just head out of here? So that, that was pretty much, you know, we'd just come back from Iran. It was five weeks from the end of term. I'm already wrestling with why am I still here? And then you can laugh at this, but the, we were at an executive meeting and the assistant head of school who was new to the school decided that he'd change the planet and tell us we all had to wear a tie next year. So I resigned the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into that, but um, <laughs> I saw that as a bit of a culture change that I didn't want to be part of. Sure, I like the idea of school as family not the marketing side of it, if you know what I mean. Yes. So I just said, yeah, God, you just pushed me out of the plane, didn't you? <laughs> so you got to laugh, but it's six o'clock in the morning as I'm walking out the door. Um, Pat wakes up to say goodbye and I just turned and said, suppose I should tell you I'm resigning today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was as sudden as that. It was Almost a, the opposite of Pat. It was a sudden, yeah, it was. It was quite the opposite. Um, we're very different people. 
I'd always looked forward to retirement being a time when I could do all the things I didn't have time to do. And mostly what that is, is study. Uh, so busy giving out, not, not a lot of time. You know, things are half written, things are half prepared. So I've spent the last three years being a Tevya. Um, those who know Fiddler on the Roof, I sit, you know, if I was a rich man, I'd sit in the synagogue and pray. Uh, I'd spend seven hours a day talking about the holy books with all the learned men. So I go in my cave and uh, I read my Bible, I pray, and I study and I write. And uh, my son, th- there's no publishing happening at the minute. Very hard to get back into publishing books. So uh, for Father's Day, my son gave me a website. Mm. And now I'm going, I thought I escaped that. Yes. <laughs> the publishing is back on you. Uh, well, yeah. technology's back on me. Oh, yes, as well, technology. <laughs> your, your, your son is very proficient. Uh, I'm sure part of the gift involves helping you get it all set up as well, as opposed to, here's the URL, Dad, and off you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, um, he yeah. runs his own business yeah. uh, doing podcasts and things. So what's the hope for this website? I mean, it's going to launch in January, so we won't link it just yet, but- Come January, hopefully there's content up there. What's the vision and what's the dream for the website? Well, we've after you know teaching Bible for thirty years and teaching Bible to kids for all of that time, I w- I've been very impressed that we spend a lot of time teaching people how to teach Sunday school teachers, Bible study group leaders, you know, scripture teachers. We teach them how to teach, but most of them have never really done a course on what to teach. So. To actually have that level of knowledge of the Bible to be able to answer a child's questions, I actually think that's harder than running a post-grad seminar at a theological college. Kids ask the hardest questions and you've got to be quick and you've got to be accurate and it's got to be simple. And if you don't know your Bible well, you're going to make it up. So with my Bible study group here at church, my growth group on Friday nights, we have gone through the whole Old Testament and it's taken us 80 studies. So they're all written. Uh, so Dan and I are now editing them, turning them into podcasts. So that'll cover the whole Old Testament. Hopefully I'll get around to doing the new. And uh, we've done a thing on a statement of faith on doctrine, a thing on the doctrine of the Christian life. I've got a bucket full of frequently asked questions the kids have done at school. And they're the tough questions that you don't usually get at church. So I thought, why not just put all these resources out there? And if they're of use for people, good. You know, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds exciting. I can't wait. And uh, knowing and having been uh, on the receiving end of some of your other materials before uh, and the quality and just the insightfulness, um, I'm sure that'll be something that um, many people, whether they be Christian teachers or whether they be parents, that'd be a wonderful blessing to be able to share. Just as we wrap up things, Pat, you had some reflections on the Psalms that we were looking at uh, last term in particular and the way that they've ministered to you over the course of COVID. So can you share with us? Yeah, I I was really appreciative that we did Psalms during the COVID time because I think that was really helpful for, um, for a lot of people. I know that my growth group really enjoyed doing them. Um, one of the themes that kept coming up through them was remembering God's mighty works of the past. And I remember uh, Psalm 78, verse 4, uh, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and wonders that He has done. 
So when you look at um, what's happening with COVID, it's easy to look at it and say, this is something that's random, that's come out of nowhere and has landed on us and, and everybody has to scramble and see, you know, what, how does it affect us and what are we going to do about it? And, but we have the privilege of knowing from God's Word that everything that happens is part of His plan and that He does it with a purpose and that He is working something out in the middle of all of that. Um, so we don't have to, uh, we don't have to be afraid afraid of, of what's happening. Um, I, I was interested in, when I look at my growth group and, and their reactions to COVID uh, to find out things like, um, you know, out, out of my growth group, seven of the women are living on their own. Um, that's a really hard thing during any time, let alone during a time of isolation. Uh, of those, some of them didn't have Wi-Fi at home at all. Um, some of them don't even own smartphones. Um, and so thinking about, you know, running something online doesn't really help them. Uh, they actually need for us to, to find a way of getting Bible studies to them, uh, hard copies, um, and actually go to their house and, and deliver them and, and, and talk to them. And that, uh, it was, that was eye-opening for me to think of where some of my women are in terms of, of what, the, what they have access to during a time like COVID uh, and making sure that they had those connections and, and they, that we could talk to them and, and give them something of what they needed um, in terms of that. That's, um, that's really insightful and um, good on you for uh, recognising where the needs are or were for your group and then adapting and being flexible to ensure that they were being supported and looked after. Yeah. David, one of the things that you often pray at church is um, particularly for our youth. I love quoting you on this one because your prayer point is often that they would not waste the days that lie ahead of them. Just hearing your story and Pat's stories today, uh, it's been very clear that you've not only prayed that, but you've also yourselves have lived that out as you enter this phase of retirement, that you want to be continuing to to serve the Lord, to see his purposes advance uh, in this world and in the people that he's placed around you. So could I ask you to end our time in prayer? Certainly. Heavenly Father, it's the world we live in is a really scary place. Scary and sad, I guess. We're living in a world where people, are, their anxiety levels are rising. Uh, I listen to people talk themselves into being anxious. I listen to the media talk us into being anxious. Uh, and I am very aware, we're very aware, that there are lives all around us that are literally just going down the toilet. Uh, people have not seen that there is any meaning to being here. Uh, particularly our young people. Uh, there's the moment and then it's gone uh, and then you die and it's all over. That's, that seems to be the conviction and that's heartbreaking. Uh, we know that you are a good God, that you wrote our stories before the foundation of the earth, that you put us here for your glory uh, and that you have planned it all out and it all works to that end. And if we come to Christ, we get to ride that journey uh, all the way to the end where we celebrate the wonders of what you've done. We get to be your forever family. Now, Lord, we're very aware that we can waste our days believing lies and stupidity and letting our lives unravel. And we don't want that for our kids. We don't want that for our community. We desperately pray that in this COVID time, through this 
annoying technology of the internet, which it is for many of us, and yet it's brought so many people into contact with the gospel. We pray that you just open the doors, crack open these privacy houses in these suburbs where people lock themselves away and we can't get to them. We pray that the gospel would penetrate, that people would hear the good news that life is meaningful, that we are people of eternal significance and that we're part of a great story that brings glory to you. Please, Heavenly Father, Open up all of these bunkers and let the Word of God penetrate and bring new life for the glory of your name and for the rescue of so many lives for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. We often say at MBM that everyone has a story and this podcast is all designed to bring those wonderful stories out as we see and interact with the people who call MBM home. David and Pat exercise a wonderful ministry, a far-reaching ministry. And I don't know about you, but I found it helpful just to get to know them beneath the surface, to share and to hear their wisdom over many years of life, and even just to think through the way in which they've approached retirement. So helpful. That's what we aim to be helping you in your onward and upward journey with Jesus for the rest of your days. Thanks again for joining me. As always, please continue to share this podcast. Why not encourage our guests and leave us a rating or review. We'd very much love for more people to be blessed through this podcast. See you next week.